We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst, and unfortunately, there is still no club football to talk about. I hope everybody else is managing with the three-week break, probably better than I am. But uh, what we've got for you today is our chat. Me and Mickey, we had a great chat with Mick Lowe's former BBC Radio Newcastle and Metro Radio um, Newcastle United commentator about his time covering the club and about the relationships he had, about the games he went to and the memories he has. Um, we hope you enjoy it. It was really, really good of Mick to give us his time. Uh, we chatted to him before the Southampton game. At the end of the, this podcast with Mick, well, I'm going to include a little bit of bonus audio from the Exiles podcast which uh, is a patron-only podcast, but have a listen. I think it's really good. Um, the guys, Bolland, Charlotte and Norman, talk about the ideal England selection based only uh, on Newcastle United English players from the Premier League era. So that will come straight at the end, and I'm going to leave you now with Mickey introducing the chat uh, with Mick. Cheers. Hello and welcome to the True Faith podcast. I'm Mickey Collin, hosting the show today. I'm joined by Alex Hurst and delighted to say the guest today, Mick Lowe's. Hiya. Thanks, uh, thanks very much for joining us. No and, worries, um, no worries. Giving us your time. Why don't you tell us a bit about what you've been doing for the past couple of weeks? Um, months? A couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> months? <laughs> um, not an awful lot, really. Just sort of taking it easy, taking a back seat. Um, you know, I'll be honest enough to say that um, a bit of my mojo had gone. I, I was pretty disillusioned with with football generally. You know, it's, it's, just, not, it's just not the marketplace. Um, and the work environment that it once was, and I, you know, I just felt I'd done it long enough. Twenty-five years seemed like a a good break point. Um, but if people ask me, and people have asked me, you know, do I miss it? I don't really. And yet, I come back on Thursday, yesterday with the lads. Today, the match, and I miss it like fuck, you know. And and <laughs> and, and so maybe there is a part of me that does miss it. But the politics of it and the work side of it. Um, has changed so dramatically in the last 20 years. You know, access to players, um, the trust between football clubs and journalists. Um, it, it's a different ball game. It really is. And you know, I'd like to think, you know, I had the, the, the better side of the uh, of, of the argument in terms of um, enjoyment levels. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure journalists these days don't enjoy it as much as we did back in the day. And we had all the European trips and we had the Keegan days. So. As I said at the time, you know, I, I was blessed in many ways. It was, it's just, there's an awful lot of fortune in life. And for me to come here in 91 and then Keegan to arrive within a matter of months, Keegan then to bring Shearer along six years later, Shearer to stay for 10 years and break a record. I mean, you couldn't make it up really, so it, it was fantastic. It's very sad to hear that that's the reason that you've, that you've dropped out of it. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to take you back to the very start and, and ask what it was like arriving in Newcastle and... and, and and your sort of journey to becoming one of us? Well, I have to say, and, and, and again, I said this at the time that, um, that I called it a day. Um, you know, the, the Northeast, in terms of this um, uh, hotbed um, reputation that it has, was anything but hot back in 1991. I mean, St. James's was a, as a pit. You know, the football club were a mess. Um, you know, Sunderland weren't much better, um, and 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 really, it was a, it was a it was an area and a football area in decline. You know, but I had family roots here. I knew the potential, um, but genuinely, genuinely, as I mentioned a few seconds ago, couldn't have even imagined in my wildest dreams that what would transpire. 
you know, did materialise. I mean, the, the, you know, obviously the Keegan thing was the key, but even then, you, you, there's no guarantees in football. You know, you, you can bring in the best people, you can bring in people who you think are going to make things happen and, and get a place to take off. But it still has to happen, and the way that it happened was was just phenomenal. It, you know, it was the the proverbial roller coaster, and you know, I was just lucky enough to jump on board, and off we went, and it was it was fabulous. I mean, there was you know there was there was no place like it. You know, as we all know, they were everyone's second team. You know, they captured everybody's imagination, and you know, you think now about they broke a world record to bring Alan Shearer to Newcastle United, you know, a world record. You know. Um, it was it was just phenomenal. It was the place to be, and you know, in the same way that you know my co-commentators, you know, Mick Martin at Metro and, and and Ando at the BBC, you get bitten by the bug, and when they finish playing, they don't leave. They stay here because they love the place, you know. And and it was a it was a huge wrench for me to leave, but you know, I, I just felt that um, it, it had run its course. But you would never swap it, never swap it for a million years. No, you know, you know. Nobody will have experienced some of the things that I experienced. It was just fantastic. You know? Yeah. Do you get back up here much at the moment? And yeah, yeah, I've been up. You know, I come up for events. We 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 did one or two events um, to try and celebrate the club's 125th birthday, which has gone a little bit flat at the moment. I don't know whether there's more mileage in that between now and the end of the season. Um, but I've still got. You know, as you can imagine, all, all my friends are here. You know, I mean, it, you know, you 25 years of your life. I've, you know. I've, I've lived longer in Newcastle than I lived anywhere else um, in in my time. So, yeah, yeah, and and you know, as I say, I've been back since Thursday. Go back tomorrow, but um, you know, it's special. It really is special. You know, coming across the bridge, it, it just feels like home. And um, you know, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a great, great place. Going back to those early days, obviously the way that football media is consumed these days is way different. About yeah, them. yeah, it's pretty much. I mean, even. Me and Mickey, who are here, we're, we're nearly 30, unfortunately, but like growing up, even in the, the noughties, early part of the noughties, mm. in the 90s, there was only one where you either had a match yeah, yeah. or you listen to you on the radio. Yeah, yeah. So, do you feel that kind of, do you feel any pressure when you were record, when you were commenting, when you were recording, particularly in those early days? Because there was there was nothing else no. to there was you, you had to listen, I had to listen growing up to you yeah. and Mick Martin, particularly. Yeah. And it was kind of like what what you and Mick thought about the game would influence a hell of a lot of people, mm. probably more than maybe people in the same field these days do, though Matty Raysbeck does a great job, but yeah. there's so many people commentating on football, talking about football, yeah. it was different in those days. You had yeah. the pink, you had the Chronicle, yeah. and you had Mick Lowe's on that was it, yeah. You know, did you feel that pressure, or was this anything no, like that? No, not really. I mean, I, you know, I think, I think you just, it's, it's like any job, you, you just, you just go into it and you, and, you, and you do the best that you can and you know obviously it helps if you're enjoying it and it helps if the, the team's successful and it helps if you know you are the centre of attention so to speak because Newcastle United were the centre of like attention on the you know in terms of the Premier League in terms of you know the United Kingdom you know they were the almost the epicentre of football for a while and you're right in the middle of that I mean it's it, as I say, it, it is so fortunate. It was so incredible the way that it happened. But no, I, you know, I, 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 it sounds weird that you, you know, when you ask, you think, well, you should feel pressure. You know, you've got people hanging on your every word, and, and but I don't know whether they trusted me or whether they they just liked the job I did. But and and I think the one thing that we never used to do is, and 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 you do get them nowadays. You get too many bullshitters these days. You get too many people who want to tell people. What they think they want to hear, you know, um, and and as you say, that my philosophy was always that if we were at a game, even if we were away from home, and there were only fifteen hundred black and whites, every one of those fifteen hundred were going back to Newcastle, and they would be out on Saturday night and Sunday lunchtime, and their mates would be saying, "Oh, we listen to the match." Da, 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 da. No, it was anything like that, you know? You know, you, 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 there's, there's no point, you know, as I say, trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. You know, you've, you've got to tell it as it is. But as I say, it's far easier telling people good news than it is bad news, you know? So, you know, so I mean, I mean, I can't imagine what it must be like commentating on Sunderland at the minute. I mean, the, <laughs> la the lads who do it, it must be like pulling teeth every week. And we've had some bad times at Newcastle, you know? You know, it, in recent years, I mean, it wasn't great. But um, it is so much easier when 
you know, the news is good news and you're sort of spreading the word, you're spreading the gospel and everybody wants to hear it. Everybody, everybody wanted a piece of Keegan, everybody wanted a piece of Shearer. You know, it was, it was just brilliant, you know. What will the club like to deal with? I'm, there's a lot of rumours and you read a lot of ex-players or journalists who were dealt with the with Freddie Shepard yeah, football yeah. and they seemed quite hands-on with yeah. journalists. How were they with you, both of them? Brilliant. I, I, you brilliant. know, and, 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 and then you look, you know, you look at modern day football club ownership and you think you know at the time okay you know uh, Freddie Fletcher could be a bit you know Rottweiler-ish and uh, Sir John could be a bit fanciful etc etc but their heart was in the right place you know they genuinely genuinely wanted the best for, for Newcastle United and, and you compare that to not only own, the ownership of this football club but the ownership of football clubs full stop you know People are in it for one thing and one thing only, to make money, if they can. And, and, the, and the great irony is, nobody makes money out of football. It's an absolute, you know, you, you wouldn't believe, you, you can't believe that these clearly successful and intelligent people get involved in a sport which is gonna do nothing but kick you in the balls. It's gonna do nothing but, you know, wipe away your bank balance. It's ridiculous, you know? Um, but, but the Fletchers and the Halls and the, you know Russell Cushing, who was you know who was secretary for a lot of years, just great great people. And there's and this is the great shame about the the football club at the present. There are still great great people there behind the scenes. The lads in the kit room, the lads, you know Tony Tower, people like that. I mean, it breaks my heart to see the way that they have to you know muddle through at the minute and penny pinch and, and do this that and the other. And it's you know it, it it's a fantastic football club and it needs. It needs something, whether it'll happen or not, I don't know. The whole Amanda Stavely thing just left me cold, to be honest with you. But, you know, whether there, is, whether there are better times around the corner, you know, there is an argument that says maybe, maybe, you know, too much ground's been lost. And, uh, I don't know, I don't know. But it was, back in the day, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Do you think under different circumstances and with different ownership you might still be doing the job you were? I, d- I, d- I don't know. It, it, it's crossed my mind a couple of times, but I, I don't think so. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, only, I'm three years away from 60, you know, so I've, you know, I've got a, a birthday next month, well, maybe 57. And it, it, it's, it's a young man's game, you know. It's, um, and, and, I'll, and I'll tell you something for nothing. You, 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 believe me, your brain doesn't work as quickly as it used to do. And, and, and you do find yourself, and I think John Motson made exactly the same point. You know, he's getting out, and he's he's way older than me. But uh, uh, you you get out before you start making the sorts of mistakes you never used to make. You know, you get goal scorers wrong, or you get you get stats wrong, or you just don't. You, believe me, your mind doesn't work as quickly as it used to do. I mean, it, it sounds it sounds pretty basic. You know, you know, you talk about forget. You know, how forgetful you get in later life. It's like that. You know, it's 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 not as easy a job the older you get, and obviously these days. Um, it, it, it's quicker, you know. The, the, there are so many more stats flying around. Um, so yeah, I, no, I can't. I can't see it happening. I'd, you know, I'd love to be. I'd love to see something happen here, and I'd, I'd, I'd love to be part of it if something ever did happen. But I'm not sort of holding my breath either way, really. Either me getting involved or them actually doing anything. You know? Can you tell us a bit about the job and and sort of how it's how it's changed over the years in terms of your your preparation and. And what what kind of thought goes into what you're going to say? Does that? Well, well I mean, the, the one the one thing that uh, that I don't know if it sounds obvious or whether people are aware of it, but um, the one thing that modern day commentators have, well, the two things they have that we never had back in, for instance, when I came here in 1991, if I was doing a game in in the 91-92 season, the only source of information I would have would be a Rothman's year. That would be it. I might know. Exactly, exactly. It's a it's a big fat book that used to come out every season, with a team picture, which was from the previous season, by the way, because they weren't that up to date at the start of the the new season. And all you got was a player's uh, height, weight, age, his previous clubs, and the number of league games he played for those clubs. And that was it. That was it. There was no internet. There was nothing. You had uh, the, 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 there was a there was a subsequent book, the PFA Footballers Guide book, which came out in about ninety five, ninety six, which upped it and gave you a little biog and gave you little off the wall stats about who they were married to and who their cousin was and you know etc etc. But back in the day, you had nothing, so you had no information to go on other than 
if you're at Newcastle United, you sit down with a player and you say, what about this, what about that? So you learn a bit about him. But opposition players, you know, other than the superstars, you, you don't know anything. And then the other thing is technology. So now we're sat here recording this programme on something the size of four postage stamps. I would go to a training ground with a machine which had two spools of tape running, subsequent, uh, r- running you know, together. If it snagged or snared halfway through, you lost the interview. If you hadn't hit play and record and you got back and there was nothing on it, you'd lost it. Um, and, and, and it took you about an hour and a half to dub it off, turn it round, put it onto a cart, like a cassette, put a cassette in a machine and play 20 seconds of Aussie Art Dealers. <laughs> now, you do it on something the size of this mobile phone, you send it remotely from here to the BBC. The BBC turn it round in about six seconds and it's on air 10 seconds later. And it's as, it's as quick as that and it's as immediate as that. And you don't walk around with bags the size. Of, I mean, it was like it was like Marco Polo when we used to go away to games. I mean, you, you pack horses with the gear that you had to take. Now you can take the gear in something the size of uh, a hold or you know, um, ISDNs. Once upon a time, there was no such thing as ISDN, which if people don't know what that is, it's basically a, it's a digital signal, which means that you basically plug your equipment in, in the same way that you would plug your telephone in, in one of the little sockets like Whereas before, it was plugs and, and electricity and all sorts. So, you know, they're the major things, but, they, but the, the stats is the thing now. I mean, everybody. And, 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 the, and the thing is as well, it, it puts more pressure on um, commentators these days because everybody knows everything. Everybody is consumed by football. So kids, you know, they'll play FIFA. Now people think that's just a game. No, that's not. That's, a, that's, that's an education, that's, a, that's an exercise in learning everything, squad numbers, um, you know, number of goals, this, that. So, you know, you can't get away with the flannel that once upon a time commentators used to get away with because everybody sitting at home is going, that's not his 22nd goal, that's his 23rd goal. You know, I mean, you would never know that back in the day, you know? <laughs> it's, um, it's interesting that you talk about going to the club and recording interviews and stuff like that is there anyone from your time that really stands out a player who was just always keen to give you fantastic information or really open and honest with you to be, to be honest they were, they were all they were all great you know, I, you know I wouldn't say there was one there was one any better than than anybody else I mean, you know you know I had a great relationship I can't, you know with the exception of maybe two or three fairly difficult ones I mean uh, off the top of my head David Batty was always quite funny he would He'd just give you a no tar, no tar, you know. And he, he, I'm, going, I'm going to play with kids. I'm going, I'm going off to see kids, um, but he'd do it in a nice way, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, nowadays they'll walk out on an alleged mobile phone talking to absolutely no one on the end of this phone uh, and blank you, you know. Um, but back in the day, they'd be happy to sit down. Now, I mean, you, you used to turn up at, at, at Maiden Castle or at Chesley Street, and you would literally just stand outside, and whoever was the most opportune person that weekend if it was if it was their ex-club or if they were in the news or whatever you would just say can you spare me three minutes absolutely no problem now there has to be a request going and in fact now not so much that you would you would put a request in and get told yay or nay actually now they get told who they're getting right yeah so so you actually so they can actually keep people from you you know the other story or the or, or the or the most opportune person to do that weekend, but um, so, but no, they were, they were, I mean, they were, they were just a joy, really. I mean, you know, they, they, they were good people. They were better people. Um, they were good talkers, you know. But um, yeah, yeah, it was. There wasn't, there wasn't any one real standout. Same for managers. Were all the managers probably the same? No, no, no. I mean, I, I think the only ones I really had a problem with. Uh, Ruth Hollett was quite difficult. I mean, he was, he was very very guarded and very aloof in many ways Kenny was brilliant even though he you know everyone you know presumes he was difficult he wasn't at all he was I mean it's one of the funniest people you'll ever meet absolutely fantastic you know KK was brilliant Um, you know and then obviously in modern days you know it's 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 pretty well known that I I got on pretty well with Pardew and I I liked him as a person you know and, and I got absolutely slaughtered for it by a lot of people, but you know, I, I speak as I find, you know? And, um, you know, he, he, 
I mean, I, you know, at the end of the day, he got this club fifth, and, 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 and I don't see anybody doing that in the immediate, um, you know, uh, in terms of success at the club. Um, but no, they, I mean, they were. They, I don't know. It, it's a difficult job, you know. I mean, I, th- I think people, I think people sort of sometimes misjudge them and you know everyone you know Rafa at this minute in time I mean his stock couldn't be higher you know you know, yeah, but but you actually you know Rafa's only doing what many of them before you know he's been bitten by the bug in this you know you know Pardew loved it here uh, Chris Hewton loved it here I mean you know they, they all genuinely wanted what was best for the football club you know they're not they're, they're not the people people sometimes think they are you know they, they, they genuinely want this football club, that's why they take it on. You know, you know, as, as everyone soon as, as they all say, that the person who gets it right here, it's it's such a challenge, and, and they all desperately want to make it work, but it just doesn't happen, you know. And, and, and now they've got an owner who ties their hands behind their back. You know, everybody everybody talks about the way that Rafa's being treated. Chris Hughton was treated the same. McLaren was treated the same. Pardew was treated the same. Hughton was treated the same. They all managed with one hand tied behind the back because you know I mean I, I couldn't believe this start I checked it out before this weekend and I, had a, I thought I'll just have a look how many times in the last five years Southampton have signed players for 10 million euros or more 19 players they've signed for 10 million euros or more in the last five years Newcastle have signed nine you know and and, and, t- and two of those were Tovan and, and Townsend who yeah. you know weren't here so you know you think there's investment elsewhere, and and, and, and managers here are, are basically just being asked to do it on a shoestring all the time, and you can't do it. You cannot do it. You, it, it, it's, it. It sounds terrible, but we all know it's true. Money dictates what happens in football these days. So you know, so you know, yeah, Rafa's riding a, a wave of popularity, but it's unfair that a lot of those other managers got didn't get the level of backing and level of sympathy. Because they were being treated exactly the same as Rafa Benitez. Well, what European trips then? That must have been a, a highlight uh, socially and you know just as a life experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, you, again, you know, you, as I say, you, you come here in '91, '92. I mean, for, for, for starters, you just want to get into the top flight, you know, and then you want to hold your own in the top flight, and, and all of a sudden, not only are you doing that. And the great thing was, if you remember, we used to fluke. Uh, European entries, didn't we? Like, be, because we lost to Arsenal in the cup final and they yeah, won it because yeah. they've done the double. <laughs> and then Man United did the treble. And then I think one year we got in on a fair play or something yeah, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and every year we seemed to fluke a way of getting into Europe. And we used to go, oh, what? You know, and, and, and you got to travel with the team and, and you just used to think you're the luckiest man alive. You know, you, you're, not, you, you're not only going on European trips with Newcastle United. You're going on European trips that Newcastle United actually aren't warranting, you know. They're, they're, they're going because they lost in a cup final to Arsenal or a cup final to Manchester United. And then you get to go to places and, and you see grounds and, you, and, and you, like you say, it's, it's life experience, you know. And you would never have dreamt, you know, when you came here that that was going to happen. And, you know, I think, I think the great thing was never to take it for granted, you know, going back to what you said about fans, you know, I mean... You know, when you get to know the fans here, you just, you just know never ever to take them for granted. Never try and fucking kid them. Never take the piss. Never, never think that you're in, in, in any way different to them. You know, you know. So I, I you know, I made, you know, in, in many ways, I don't, I don't knock them out. I don't, I never have really knocked about with journalists. I just knock about with punters. You know, I knock about with the lads in the pub. And you know I'm happier doing that because I think it keeps a it keeps you grounded, but b it keeps it keeps your, your ear to the ground and you know what they're thinking. You know you know you know what that you know what what they're wanting. What, you know how they're reacting. You know whereas you get some journalists who just stay insular. You know they and and, and they, they they don't really know and don't get what it's all about. You know so, but the European army we had some fantastic trips. I mean, just just brilliant. I mean, they, they were just so, so good. I mean, we were, we were joking the other day about, um, where was it? Um, uh, the, 
went to the Ukraine the second time I went to the Ukraine and this plane turned up at the end and we, they used to, we, used to, we used to call it the James Bond because it was like a James Bond it was only in the later trips that they started using it and it was like it was like something out of 007 all the seats were big leather things with recliners and blankets and there was only probably about 50 seats on the uh, on the plane and then one day as I say it was going to was it Anzi or someone like that and this plane turned up with a bed in the middle of it <laughs> and it turned out that the bed and, and, and the plane had been used by Lady Gaga the week before <laughs> and the players were cute I'm, I'm sure Stephen Taylor deliberately got himself sick so he could sleep in he slept in the bed coming back and he made out he had flu and, 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 and next thing we saw he was going in the bedroom and he was and everyone was looking in and he was like this. There's nothing wrong with him. He just wanted to sleep in the same bed as Lady Gaga. You know? But you think, how, you know, how as a normal bloke, how do you ever get to travel on planes that Lady Gaga's using? You know? Can you give us your best one? Your best, best ever trip? European trip? Well, I mean, in terms of... Um, um, I remember, that, strangely, the most disappointing or, the, or probably the most... Um, uh, the biggest letdown was actually Barcelona, the first Barcelona, because um, you know obviously you're so excited, you go into the new camp, but the fucking commentary position was somewhere, it was almost level with one of the goals, and I don't know if you remember, but Barcelona scored quite early, yeah. down the other end, and you didn't have a clue. I didn't, yeah. have, and I remember I always used to say to Mick Martin, "Don't guess, yeah, just don't guess because." I can always fill. I can keep filling and keep filling until we get some sort of confirmation. And he jumped in with somebody like Luis Enrique or something, and it, and it was Giovanni or somebody. And I just shot in this look as if like, you know. But it was just so difficult, and it, and it and it was, and and it and it spoiled the whole thing, you know. But I mean, the great ones. I, I always remember Dinamo Zagreb was a real good one. I mean, just because of what it led to, you know, and, and Ketspire. And, and how late the goal was and the fact that it meant Champions League football. Um, and then the greatest of all was, of course, not even abroad. It was, it was here against Barcelona and, and Tino. And it was, I mean, I think, I think I've actually lost the commentary. But, it, you know, it was one of those that if you could keep it, yeah. you would keep it. I love it, yeah. And it was only because when I left Metro and they were ditching football, I think they just, I think they just binned all the archive stuff, and I, didn't, and I didn't get a chance to salvage it. And and there were goals like that. I mean, the the Aspria header. I mean, I just, it, you know, I would just love to have it. And I don't, it might be somewhere. I don't know, but um, and that you know, and the and the, and the, um, the new radicals thing as well, which I have got a copy of. Um, you know, and a guy called Michael Wilson, who, you know, we used to, we just every year when we looked like we were going to get to Wembley. Would come up with a song, so we did Oasis as Heroes. Then I, I, I used to be a big Mark and Lard fan, uh, and they started playing the New Radicals, and I jumped on it really early, and we got it. And, we, and it's actually now on Wikipedia. If you if you look at the, uh, the the profile of you get what you get by the New Radicals, it actually mentions that it was adopted by Metro Radio for Newcastle oh, yeah. United. Was that your call? Yeah, yeah. You know that's my that's my happy song. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the one I put I on when I'm struggling. Yeah, exactly. I play it now all the time, and as, as I say, I have got I have got a version somewhere uh, with the goals on it. But I, 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 it's one of the few things I take great pride in. That I, I, I used to play it quite a lot when it was first released, Mark and Lark. And I went in one day and I said to this lad, Michael Wilson, "We've got to remix this new Radical song." He said, "What is it?" I said, "Listen to it." And it it was just the way it fitted with football, yeah. and it was the. Uh, and I, I always remember somebody, it was a mate of mine, was telling me one day, I, I loved this, he said he was stuck in traffic on the Western Bypass and he said he looked around and everyone was listening to Metro that morning and they played it. And at the end, when it says, we'll kick you, you know, and he said, people were banging on, <laughs> on, on, the, on the steering wheels of the cars and he said everyone was singing it, you know, and yeah. I just thought, oh man, you know, it's... Fantastic, you know. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I wish they had that on um, before the match now. Yeah, yeah. I missed that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mick, is there a, an iconic moment that yeah. you think defines your commentary period or the, or the area you commentated on? Because we're just. Um, it's 
bit like as we sat here, you know, we're talking about the Southampton game this afternoon and will it be a defining game? And I don't think it will. I think there's too much football to be played. And defining games, they are those, you know, they are the night you go to Grimsby, there's more black and whites there than you can throw a stick out. Grimsby, Grimsby can't cope. The, the whole town's awash. You know, and, and you are, not, you, know, you, you know, you're on the cusp of, but you don't know it's going to be the big, big time, but you know you're going back to the top flight. You know, Lee Clark in a, I remember Lee Clark in a, in a luminous green Afro wig running around the pitch <laughs> afterwards and Sir John, Sir John Hall in the stand, Kevin and Terry Mack and, 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 the, and like you say, the commentary on the, you know, I've, I always say I've still got a, I've still got a part hernia from the, I mean, I, I listen to the, you know, sometimes you listen back to gold and you think, oh, and other times you listen back and you think, oh, I like that. I was, that, was, that was good. And I must admit the Kelly one is a bit, because it was just orgasmic. I mean, it was, ridic- <laughs> it was ridiculous because of, because of what it meant, you know. And, and, and um, you know, and Andy Cole got the other one, didn't he? And, uh, but then, as I said, I mentioned earlier, the, the Aspria goal, um, the Shearer volley. I mean, so many Shearers. I mean, like, you know, loads and loads of Shearers. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's difficult looking back. I mean, you know, yes, there were high points, but then you know the disappointments of the FA Cup finals and um, you know the European elimination and um, but I wouldn't I, w- I would I wouldn't say uh, you know the the, the 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 promotion to the Premier League and then what that subsequently led to was you know was 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 as big as any, but. I think that there were so there were you know there were just so many you know big games and good games and um, you know in some ways they all sort of merge into one you know and it's it, it, it I think it'd be difficult or unfair to pick you know the the Ketspire goal as I mentioned um, the the Aspria goals the oh, I don't know so many I just too many too many fair enough yeah. Um, and you, you, know, you mentioned that, that you work with Megan and, and John. Yeah. How how important was it to have some like guys like that alongside you? How much easier does that make commentary? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you you, you just you, you you know you you need people who you know are, are close to it. You know, for you know as as much as you think you know football, and as much as you you know understand the tactics, and you can. You can talk with some authority. You can't ever do what they've done, and you can't ever imagine what it's like to have done what they've done. You know, um, you know, particularly Ando, who's 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 such a laid-back character, and, and, and you know, and, 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 you know, miserable on occasions. And he's, he's, you know, I mean, Mick was Mick was far more gregarious, and you know, he, he, he would he would give it a bit more flannel on occasions. But you know, I mean, I think when I when at one point when I was doing it with Ando, there was I think there were only about at one point. Seven players who'd ever played more games for Newcastle oh. United than Ando, you know. Because I remember taking great delight one day in Rob Lee beating, <laughs> and and uh, you know we were you know just joking about how Rob Lee you know you know now number eight on the list and, <laughs> and this that and the other, and then subsequently one or two others have gone past him. But you know, to to give that level of service to a football club, you know, as, as Ando always jokes, you know, he said we used to get booed on, never mind booed off, <laughs> you know. I mean, it would, you know, they they were they were dark times, you know, but. But they were Newcastle United, you know. They, 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 they were this football club. They are this football club that are that are so much part of people's lives, you know. And I, you know, I think in some in, in some ways, you know, I, I know there's fifty two thousand now, but I just, I just, I just, I, I, you know, I think it's got to the stage, and and and, and in, a, in a sad way, I think it's been knocked out of people by the by the the, the state of modern football. I think a lot of lads now just go for the day. You know, they, they, they just, Saturday is not so much match day. Saturday is a day out with the lads, you know, and the, and the football's almost secondary. And what happens at the football's almost secondary? Um, and, and it, it you know, it, 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 it's religion, but it's, it's almost religion for the wrong reasons all of a sudden, you know. And it would, you know, it would be fantastic to think that, you know, somewhere down the line that might change, but I, I just don't think football's going to change. You know, and it's not Newcastle's problem. You know, Newcastle are just part of this epidemic, which has seen football, you know, spoiled by money and spoiled by greed. Um, and yeah, they do better than most in terms of keeping credibility. 
but it's 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 difficult. It's difficult, and you you know you you look at the demograph of fans these days, and I, I think it is amazing. I mean, I've, I've still got the video of me on the pitch, the Blackburn game when I said goodbye. And what's interesting is when the camera pans around, you look at it, and it's a proper football crowd. You know, you know, I, I, I can't. Towards the end, I used to fucking hate going to. I mean, like supposedly proper grounds like Anfield and Old Trafford where people are taking photos at corners you know people are taking photos at throw-ins and you think you can't be watching the game how can you watch the game from behind a mobile phone like yeah. that you know and you think that, that's just wrong you know and I just wonder you know because the because the crowd at St James's will get older as society you know gets older and sooner or later it's going gonna, it's gonna to die off you know and all these season ticket holders who've been for years and years and I just wonder whether there is a second wave of, of people who keep it going. You know, I just, it's, it is absolutely staggering how they keep selling 52,000. I mean, look at Sunderland now. Yeah. 25,000, announced yesterday, they were actually gonna close the top concourse next season. Now that, once upon a time, that was unthinkable. And you think, could that ever happen at Newcastle? Could it? I don't, I don't know, I don't know. And, and, and this is why, I have to say, at this minute in time, you know, I don't get any pleasure in seeing what's happening to Sunderland because they're by the grace of God, you know. And and, and, you, and you just think to yourself, you know, if if Rafa hadn't stayed, maybe, maybe you get relegated and you don't bounce back at the first time, and Ashley spits his dummy out and goes, and you don't know who's coming through the doors and owner, and suddenly you know, your world has fallen apart, and their world at this minute in time has fallen apart, and you can't tell me they're any less passionate about their football club than we are here. You know, and they don't deserve a football team in the same way that we deserve a football team here. So, you know, I, I don't get the gloating, and I, 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 I get it from the point of view that they were wrong to sort of have a bit of a pop at Newcastle for oh, it was only the championship, and you got back and will, you know, maybe. But I, I just think it's horrendous what's happening down there because I, you just think, Christ, could that happen here? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. It's a sad indictment of what modern football has become. Absolutely. And something I've I've been concerned about for a long time is the the lack of kids and the, the yeah. seeing different different shirts in your castle. Yeah. Is that that must have been something you've noticed in your time here that's changed? Well, it, as I say, you know, it, it, it you know there was there was a time when um, you know everybody but everybody was black and white, and now, like you say. You think, well, are they? You know, do they, do they really get up? But then again, it's it's the old adage. Well, I, I, I'm going to say it's it's the old adage about success. Success breeds whatever, but actually it doesn't because there's been no success yet. So, so uh, you know. But but the, and, and the problem is that you know, dare I say it? You know, society's just that bit shallower these days, and and people expect this and expect that, and and and. and, and and maybe don't get football in the way that we used to get football back in the day, and um, you know it's it's it it, it, it I, I, as I said before, I, I I I don't know whether it will ever get back to what it was, or whether it would ever drop to the levels that it is in Sunderland. But um, I think we have to be very very careful that we just look after it. And, you know, certainly in terms of this season, don't go down. I mean, it, it's it's unthinkable. That if they go down, because you then start, you know, to think that you might become a yo-yo club is just ridiculous. Absolutely. That leads me well into the last question I wanted to ask you, which is, how do you how do you see the final nine games? We got nine games. Yeah, nine games going. I on. think I, I I I I genuinely think they'll be all right. I, I I mean, for no, you know, without you know being absolutely in my heart of heart convinced, but I just think I, I think West Brom look like they've gone. I think Huddersfield look like they're losing momentum. Stoke look like they're losing momentum. Um, but the, but the game against Southampton is just huge, you know. It, I mean, it, it is. I mean, t- talking to Rafa yesterday, I'm not sure whether I was pleased to hear what he said uh, because I know what he's like tactically. But he emphasised the point again that they they don't want to lose the game, and I'm thinking. No, no, he can't. He shouldn't go into a game thinking we don't want to lose. I think you know. I, I don't think Southampton are particularly strong mentally. I think they're the sort of team who, if if we really make life difficult for them, we could blow them away. You know what I mean? But then again, you blow teams away 
in terms of the crowd and you blow them away in terms of possession but if you can't score goals you can't win games um, and I, you know and he, and he was talking about let's not lose it let's make sure if we can't win it we don't lose it and I, and I don't want them to think like that but I think if, if, they can, if they can win today and then have Huddersfield at home Believe it or not, I mean, two wins like that could be could be enough. You know, I mean, you, you know, it's a mate. You know, when you think about Allen's eight games in charge, and you just kept thinking, all you've got to do is win one more. Yeah. And you just couldn't win that one. You know, and it, it's small margins, so you know, there's no point in getting greedy. There's no point in thinking, oh, we've got to go on a run and we've got to do this. You haven't. You've just got to win two or three key games. This is a key game. Huddersfield's a key game, and then maybe worry about one more. And if you can do that then you should be all right, you know. But I just, you know, having said that, I don't think Southampton are mentally strong. I'm not too sure how, how strong mentally Newcastle are these days either, you know. They're not, there aren't the big personalities that they used to be. You know, there aren't the players. You know, you think you think about the 09-10 season, you know, the Nolans and the, and the Harpers and Colaccinis. It's, it's a different world. I mean, you know, the, the, you, look, you look at the current squad and you think, who are the leaders of Met? Who are the people who are going to pull them through if it does get really, really nervy, you know? So, as I say, I'm not convinced, but I'd be very, I'd, I'd, I'd be disappointed if they went down. I, th- I, think, I think they'll just have enough. And in Rafa, they have somebody who should be the difference or could be the difference, you know? Although, at the end, of, you know, as they always say, you know, he, he's helpless, you know? Once, once the whistle goes, he, he can't do anything about it. And he was talking yesterday about the mistakes that they made against Bournemouth and, and how frustrated it was, but he just has that air about him, you know. You know when you, you know when you see people, you know. You, you know I think McLaren used to say that you know I might, you know, we, it all might appear calm on the surface, but underneath your your feet are going like you know just pedalling like fox, you know, to try and keep the thing afloat. You know, Rafa never appears that. You know, Rafa always just seems in control and I think that rubs off on the players and I think, it, I think that calmness and um, ability to see them through might just be the might just be the difference because as I say scoring goals is just a hell of a problem at the minute Brilliant alright Mick thanks so much for speaking no worries an absolute pleasure um, and um, yeah I mean we'll 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 try and keep all listeners abreast of any anything you are doing in terms of events and stuff like that because it's uh, it's certainly something which is a football club like we had a chat about before that, that probably isn't happening enough yeah. from 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 fans and yeah stuff so yeah thanks for your time and uh, we'll no. speak to you again soon yeah and as I say can I just say that it, it was an absolute pri- I think I said it on the pitch that day against Blackburn it was a it was a privilege and a pleasure to serve you know fans who for me will always be the best in the business you know there's just you, you, you can't you cannot equate um, how good they are and how good you are um, because a team that hasn't won anything for 50 odd years just doesn't deserve that level of, of, of respect and that level of, uh, of adulation um, and it, it's an amazing football club and as I say whether they can get back to the to the to the halcyon days is a is a big, big ask, but I think as long as they keep going, as long as, as long as people keep the faith, as long as people keep turning up, then they'll be okay. You know? Many thanks again uh, to Mick there for his time. Hopefully, we'll catch up with him in the not too distant future. Um, now, as I said earlier, we've got the portion of the Exiles chat to get the Exiles every other week, as well as two to four more extra shows a week. Um, we do have a Patreon page which you can subscribe for five pound a month for about 16 to 20 extra shows. So I'll leave you with Bolland, and this is them talking about um, their ideal Newcastle United England squad or something. Is it eight or nine games until the end of the season and the World Cup is, is looming. So from every two weeks now, we're going to go through and select our 23-man England squad from ex or current Newcastle players. So they've got to be, I'll reiterate that, they've got to been English and played for Newcastle to get That's in the squad. That's a very sport. convoluted game. Uh, not be this way. Just to be clear, the rules were not made clear to <laughs> to the other p- people in the exiles. So some of us haven't thought about it. Arby's playing a game on his own and we're getting involved in it. So Charlotte and Norman have been on the podcast long enough now that they've inherited Ben Strape and not being able to read 
Um, Excuse me, no. I'm sorry. Uh, I've had to take away the microphone because um, Norman's killing Andrew. Um, I can read. I chose not to. <laughs> yeah, well, ignorance is bliss, isn't it? Um, no, not right now. Moving, <laughs> moving, moving. Moving on. Uh, so I've asked the uh, I've asked the guys to come up with uh, some English players that they'd like to put forward and nominate for the Exiles ex NUFC current NUFC England squad. So on that note, because Charlotte's done loads of preparation, I'll come to you and uh, ask the, you who is your goalkeeper nomination for our squad. It's going to have to be Carl Darlow, Andrew, because I know who he is and uh, and actually I do like Darlow I think you know he, like we've seen him make some blunders this season through through a couple of uh, balls into the goal which is the opposite of his job but um, he's tall he's big he's a big lad uh, I think I think he's, uh, he's a decent he's a decent goalie he's no, he's no Gordon Bell well well I have got in addition to the dollar argument if we take the size of Dolo's hair, in terms of the height of his hair and the solidity, and compare his height to Peter Shilton, in the 1986 World Cup, if Maradona had got up to punch that ball and Dolo had ju- they, that jumped up with him, the ball would have just hit Dolo's hair. So there's another reason to have Dolo in the squad. However, my choice, Andrew Bolland, for comedic purposes, like the third goalkeeper in the World Cup squad, basically. Like, he's there, but he's not there, you know what I mean? Like, nobody even knows he's there. The, the press don't know he's there. I'll go with Mike Hooper. Mike Hooper, just to have him, because I think anyone who made a career in football like Mike Hooper got the stick that he got, deserves to be part of a, a Newcastle United ex-English footballers World Cup squad. Got, got Cernicek out of goal for a brief period, didn't he? In 93, 94. He had a little run in the side. That was, um, one, of Kevin's, um, that was one of Kevin's rushes of blood to the head, I feel. It's a couple of very rogue signings last season. Alex Matty and and Mike Cooper. Um, Wait, no. You don't. You don't want to talk. You just wave. You just. Sorry, Charlotte. Charlotte's just waving at me. Uh, okay, so well, I'm going to go for the obvious choice in there. Steve Harper. Um, he's at Newcastle for probably far too long, but had a fantastic testimonial where Joey Bond cut Paolo De Canio in half, and for that alone, I think it was worthwhile. Um, also featured in an FA Cup final. Uh, was that was that one of, was that Rude Hullett's bizarre decision to drop Shea Given? Uh, real real aversion to good players, Rude. But um, he also another another highlight for me of Steve Harper's career was when he did the elbow drop on all the lads after they scored the fifth goal against against Arsenal. So um, if that's not reason enough, uh, he makes it in. So. I think we've, we've, we've got our three goalkeepers. We did that fairly quickly because I think the only other English goalkeeper to play for Newcastle was Jack Anik, and I don't think he's going to be winning any prizes with Newcastle fans anytime soon after a slightly shocking display in the derby not so long ago. Not his fault, though. It was the fact that Pardew put somebody in goal who was clearly like League One level at best and put a lot of pressure on him. So you know what? Jack Anik in the quarterfinal against Spurs away, yes, he made mistakes, but fuck me. I mean... It's like sticking me in goal in the North Women's Senior Cup final. It's not my level. Yeah, so it's 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 a bit it's a bit cruel, but um, I don't think he showed enough in those performances to, to warrant a place. So we'll move on. So right backs, uh, Norman, what have you got? Quite easy. There's one name comes to mind: Barry Venison. Oh my God, I love him. My mum used to fancy him so much with his flowing locks and great football skill. So is that fair to assume that you're in the yes. you're very much in the Barry Benison camp? Yes. Uh, I'm in the Barry Benison camp, as Andrew just said there. And um, the thing is, with Barry Benison is that not only was he a brilliant right back, not only was and we we spoke with us before in terms of the England squad, but leaders, he's a genuine leader, and he would play anywhere. Like Keegan had him at left back, he had him in, in like defensive midfield position, and he's just he was just a good presence to have around the squad. Um, 100% my first choice right back for uh, Newcastle players Premier League England squad will be Barry Venison um, and we can forgive him for the fact that he's moved to like um, so, what is it SoCal and uh, started surfing I'm sure that's what he's doing now he's, he moved to he's got the half right no, I think no but I think he's one of those surfers who's going to like you know half bold is he just hanging that's out what I like to imagine he was, he 
yeah. He was a pundit. He's still got fantastic hair. Do you know what? He was a pundit because he's in... Um, he, was, he, was, he, was, he used to wear jackets with like, eagles on the back and shit. Yeah. He's in the that film, Escape Me Now, with Ricky Tomlinson, the England manager. Mike Bassett. Uh, Mike Bassett, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> right, sorry. Sorry, so uh, before we go on to Charlotte, I'm going to throw out my first nomination for a right back, and it is uh, the, the the original Ginger Perlow, Steve, Steve Watson. Um, Jack Colbert. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, so Steve Watson, I think, a massively underrated player, really. Um, for the, the front flip throwing alone, I think that, that's got to go. A bit of flair. But also, very versatile player. I think he played right wing a couple of times for Everton, Everton and Aston Villa. I don't remember him doing it so much for Newcastle, but I'm sure I'm sure it happened. I, and he's a local lad, so get Geordies to the World Cup and all that. The and imaginary, the imaginary, and he's Gateshead manager, so big fan of Steve Watson. Um, got any thoughts on that, either of you? No, I, I like that he's a local boy, but he's no, he's no Barry Venison. That's all. I'm, I'm totally on board with I'm this. I'm obsessed with it. I just point out that both Barry and Steve can make it into the squad. Both no, Barry and Steve. Just Barry. I just want a one-man squad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mike Bassett. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would like to snuggle Barry Venison, obviously, but in terms of Steve Watson. Not only, like, I, I met him, I think I met him, like, on High Bridge Street when he was a young lad, um, like, buying clothes, he was Robbie Elliott, and he was he was just dead sound for a start. The fact that he's kind of, like, served an apprenticeship as a coach, got the gates at the time, make his mark as a manager, these are all just, like, things that, like, make you, like, really admire him. And also, and I'm sure people will let me know if I'm wrong, yeah, but the 1998 FA Cup final, for some reason, beyond comprehension... Dalglish selected like Pistoni, a left back who hadn't really established himself that season as um as right back in the cup final against Mark Overmars for Arsenal had already won the title. Overmars probably the best left winger in Europe at the time, and he left Steve Watts on the bench. And for me, that is one of those moments that you just think like, if I was Steve Watson, I probably would have attempted to kill Kenny Dalglish based on that. So for that reason alone. Watson deserves his chance in the fictitious, hypothetical, mad as a bag of shit World Cup that we're creating right now. Right. So we're going to stick with those two because I'm going to make an honorable, honorable mention for Warren Barton. But, he, ah, yeah. but he's good but he's, mention. Nice hair as well. Nice yeah. hair. Yeah. So honorable mention for him. But we're going with Barry Venison and Steve Watson. So we'll move on quickly. Uh, left backs should be fairly easy for us to cover. Um, Norman, I'll come to you first. Left back. All the everyday John Beresford has to be like just the memories that he that he that he's given me like in, in the the fact that he took like him on uh, under Jim Smith Portsmouth got the FA Cup semi final they lost on penalties to Liverpool Liverpool tried to sign him on as soon as he had a medical there apparently he failed the medical Keegan steamed in got Beresford he was an integral part of the promotion season in the Premier League season he established himself as one of the best left backs in the league. Really, like a regular, a regular fixture under Keegan. Dalglish again. Oh my God, I'm alluding to him. Came in and dropped Beresford. And I think again, Bez loves the club, loves the city, and was a fucking excellent player. So it's him all day for me. So the reason I love John Beresford is that there was a moment in time, believe it or not, where John Beresford was the top scorer in the Champions League. That's right. Um, and for that reason, that reason alone. Two against Dynamo Kiev. Yeah. And he uh, got one at home against. He got, he got a double away to Dynamo Kiev. Yeah. And who we in that we were... Did he score against Zagreb as well? He scored against Zagreb, that's right, in the home game, didn't he? That's right, yeah. aye, aye. So for that reason, I think John Beresford's an absolute shoo-in. Charlotte, unless you've got any objections, I think uh, <laughs> I think John Beresford's a shoo-in. Well, with all of my preparation, it all just came down to John Beresford, actually. Well, so, I've, got, um, I've got a left-back. Oh, no, Norman's got a left-back. Controversial. Because it plays on the kind of, you know, like the United Nations definition of, so- of the sovereign state. But I'm going to gamble Paul Dummett. The reason being, Dummett has played in friendlies for Wales. Friendlies, never a competitive game because he's had players ahead of him who they reckon are better. Um, I don't think they're better, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. Do you think that's why he's rejecting Ryan Giggs' call-up at the minute? He thinks he's got an England chance. Who's England's left back in the minute? Uh, Ryan Bertrand. And is he as good as Paul Dummett? Is he fuck? There you go. Dummett is still eligible to play in competitive games in England. And I'll tell you what it is, whoever the England manager is right now, whether it's Roy Gareth Southgate Hodgson, whoever it is, 
I'm telling you now, Dummett is the best English left back in the game at the minute. So he's in 100%. 100%. He's not. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to one. I've got I've got one for left back. Uh, Ryan Taylor. The season we finished fifth and we started the season and we were unbeaten for something like eight or nine games. I think Ryan Taylor played left back for all of those. He's a right back in here, Yeah, but he, but he played left back and he also scored against the Mackhams. Oh, remember the Everton goal as well? Yeah, the Everton goal is outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Um, and the goal against the Mackhams, I mean, Ryan Taylor over the wall is going to live forever. Uh, all right, then, good instinct. So, Beresford, Dummett, Taylor. You can't take three. Got to take no, two. No, I'm saying, two. Right. Out of those, out of those two, right, Charlotte's got, Charlotte's got to make the vote. Yeah, you've got Ryan Taylor, yeah. John Beresford, or Paul Dummett. Good instinct, right okay, now. Okay, John Beresford, definitely. I'm gonna take Dummy. Uh, he's not. He's played games for Wales. I fucking friendlies at Mexican odds. Right. So Paul, Paul Dummett and John Beresford are in. Uh, Ryan Taylor's coming on the show in I think in a few Defensive weeks. I don't know if I, I, don't know, I don't know if I should say that. I don't Defensive know. midfielder. Uh, he may or may not be coming on the show. <laughs> Yet to be confirmed. So sorry, Ryan. Uh, we'll move on centre halves. Uh, I'm going to come to Charlotte first because I know that you've got someone for centre half. Stephen Taylor from the Newcastle squad of 2000. And where were we? Seven. Yeah, he was definitely there. I remember him in 2007. Anyway. Um, Here's my suggestion. What do you think about that, Andrew? So I kind of bag it. Uh, Stephen Taylor was was a class class character, if not a class player for Newcastle United. Um, I mean, I'll always remember him pretending he got shot when he's handballed the handballed it once. Um, on his day, he was he was actually like an all right defender. Um, injuries, I think, ruined Stephen Taylor. He was, he was actually called up to England squad several times, but never never played a game for them. He probably could have been something better than he was, but injuries got in the way. And he just he just absolutely loved playing for Newcastle. And I'll never forget his goal against it was it Palermo and he runs around the whole oh, pitch. No, that was Vigo. It was Vigo, was it? Lucky scored against Palermo. The, ce- the celebration the celebration where he just was off. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, yeah. Um, I was in Vigo at the time, watching the match in Vigo. Right. Watching Newcastle beat Vigo at St. Jesus Park while living in Vigo. It was a hell of an experience. Yeah. Well, I hope you got lots of beers bought for you when Stephen Taylor scored. I made some good friends. Made good friends. Good, good friends. All right. Uh, so I'm going to go for my, my mine before Norman goes. Uh, Jonathan Woodgate, quite simply the very best centre half to have played in Newcastle in my lifetime, if not ever. Um, again, another one that injuries just totally ruined his career. The fact that we got about 14 million from Real Madrid was an absolute steal at the end of the day because I think he might have played a few games with them. Albeit his debut as well, getting sent off and scoring an own goal. Uh, it was all downhill from Bobby Robson for him. Um, but yeah, just phenomenal defender. Could read the game so well. Uh, just an absolute class act. And people sometimes forget that John Terry wouldn't have got into the into the England squad if it hadn't been for Jonathan Wood getting injured as he as he always did. Uh, and he, for me, what a different course of events it would have been. Uh, quite Newcastle might have won the league. Um, John Woodgate might have. Tesco. Yeah, yeah. So jo- jo- Jonathan Woodgate's Jonathan Woodgate's my first one to put forward. Uh, Norman, I'll come to you. Well, I tell you what, right? Jamal Sells is fucking phenomenal. I love him. Like out of all, out of all, out of all the Newcastle players, not even centre halves I've ever seen, Jamal Sells is just someone that I, I love because he just he's almost like the antithesis of the modern footballer. Like he's, he's a brilliant, brilliant footballer. Looks after himself, but at the same time, he's still very connected with like the um, the kind of working class element of the game, and I love him for that. So, in terms of ability, he could make it, but in terms of his personality, he could still he could still make it as well. And I would I would definitely select Lascelles, and I would go for to partner Lascelles. Not Steve Howie, who was capped by England at the same time as this player was playing. But it'd be Darren Peacock. Quite simply, a massively underrated fucking centre-half. Like, the whole myth, horseshit media-generated myth of Newcastle's defence being shit under Keegan was crap. If you look at it statistically, we were always under Keegan. Like, second or third best defensive record in the league. And we never won the league. So how's your defence shit if it's kind of reflecting your league position? It's just total bollocks and Darren Peacock was one of the reasons for it he was brilliant and not only was he a good defender who had a really good kind of 
way of reading the game. He was a he was a big personality, and he was also a threat in the air from set pieces. So for me, my first choice centre half pair and first choice would be Lascelles and Peacock. In terms of backup, I would have Howie, and without doubt, a one hundred percent fit. And Van Aert, a seventy five percent fit. Jonathan Woodgate. Well, so I think we're so we've got. I think it's the Steve Howie against Stephen Taylor vote off. We might have a uh, couple, couple of honourable honourable mentions for. Uh, well, just one actually. A, dis- a dishonourable mention. Titus Bramble. Dis- a dishonourable mention for Titus Bramble and an honourable mention for Mike Williamson, who, despite despite what a lot of people say about him, and yes, he was so so awful for us at times. It was actually very good for us as well at times. People forget that Stephen Taylor got injured the season we finished fifth. Stephen Taylor got injured, and Mike Williamson actually played quite a lot of those games with Colacini. Um, well, we finished fifth. I'm on. Oh, Williamson was like in there for about four months of the season. Yeah, so he did very well. So an honor- Paulo was at the top of his game then, by the way. He league. was, he was. But an honourable mention for Iron Mike. But uh, we'll put it to the vote then. So we've got Steve Howie uh, against so Stephen, Stephen Taylor. So we've got one vote for Howie. And you know what? I'm going Howie. I never said Stephen Taylor, but I forgot about Howie. Right, so we've got two votes for Steve Howie. I'm going to go... With Steve Howie as well, despite the fact that he's a Magum and his brother hates Newcastle, but apparently Steve Howie hates 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 him as well. So uh, that that wraps up that portion of the show. Okay, thank you for listening to the True Faith podcast. We will be out on this platform uh, next time, hopefully after an absolutely massive win against Huddersfield next Sunday. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks to everybody who helps us spread the word through social media, through retweets and likes and, and all that kind of stuff. If you do like the show, please follow us on social media at TF Weekly Pod. Also give us a review on iTunes and we'll speak to you next Sunday. Thanks.